You're listening to Majestic Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Sanderson, and each episode will be a co-creation with a special guest. Thanks for listening, and we're ready to get started now. I'm here today with Ekaterina Roden and Jordan McKinnon. And they, among many other amazing things that they do in this world, are organic farmers and have founded the Humble Gardener. No, wait, Humble Garden. Yes. You know what? Don't don't worry. Jordan's mom made the same mistake the other day. Okay. She said, get some tomatoes from the Humble Farms. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so funny. I was just looking at your website. So let me try again. And they have founded... Wait, is it, which one is it? Huh? <laughs> now I'm confused. The Humble Garden. The Humble, the Humble Garden. Garden. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. All right. And they have founded the Humble Garden. And I'd love to give you a big warm welcome. Thanks for coming and chatting today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So I'm really, I'm curious about how this farm started for you. Like what was the idea or was it just like spontaneous or what happened? Do you want to go? Yeah, I'll start. So um, the land that we farm is my grandfather's. Uh, He still uh, will come out and help, even though he's 96, 97 this year, I think. So uh, he has a birthday coming up in December. Uh, When I was a a kid, I would uh, go out to the fields on my summer breaks from school and help out. And then uh, when high school came and university and stuff, I kind of uh, didn't find myself on the farm too often. Uh, one Thanksgiving, we were eating uh, food together, and there's a vegetable called a buttercup squash, which is kind of central to this whole story. Okay. And um, I was like, ah, squash is probably my least favorite food. And uh, basically, like, if you have any kind of squash from the grocery store stores, especially if they're out of season or canned squash or anything like that, I've it's kind of bland, and you know, people might say it, like tastes like cardboardy or, or whatever. So they're like, no, nah, no, nah, try it. Like it's from the field. Like it's grandpa grew it, whatever. So I was like, fine, fine. And I tried it and I was blown away. And then I started eating more and more and it kind of piqued my curiosity as to, you know, how could this be my least favorite vegetable from the store, but now my most favorite vegetable on the plate today. So what, what is it? Like what's, what's going on? What's different? Um, so that was kind of the, I mean, the seeds were planted a long time, but it took, a, it took a while for it to germinate in my life. And that was kind of the turning point. And then so I started experimenting in my own way, uh, growing a lot of stuff actually indoors, which we can kind of get into as well. That's a, that's a project that we're into. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the produce that, that you would have had from us was grown on the same field that that original squash was grown on. And uh, of course, with my research, and my temperament and stuff, I knew I couldn't necessarily do it exactly the same way my grandfather did. Uh, he just followed the technology. And remember, we're talking about 100 years of a lifetime. So he even talks about how he used to use arsenic and DDT, DDT. and uh, mercury, like these crazy things. And then when I looked it up, it, it was all like, this is commonplace, right? Yeah. In, the, in the 20s and 30s, these were, this is what everyone did. Um, so I knew I couldn't follow exactly in those footsteps. So I, I, I went a little further back to how his father would have farmed. And um, that's kind of what started it for me. And I'll let Kat fill in 
her side? Well, um, our first year of dating, you actually sent me home with a bunch of vegetables. <laughs> How romantic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm still here, right? So. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and they were delicious and super bright and colorful and like, um, so I got into eating that. And then the next year we um, did a little bit of herb farming, just okay, as cool. like a little, a little hobby. So remember we grew mint, lemon balm, uh, anise, all, all the stuff you would put in a tea. Um, and yeah, and then so we really enjoyed that. And then the following year, we got out into the field more. Um, doing more of the like the the work like the planting and like I I was out there doing more of that with Jordan and we were getting huge harvest because um, you guys are always farming on an acre a full acre of land which is was a, a lot of space for food so um, one year we were like well we could probably share some of this and sell it at our market and that's kind of where it started oh it's amazing I love it too yeah. because it sounds like uh it wasn't something that you planned necessarily to be doing no it wasn't like uh I never actually I would have never pictured myself out in a field ever well what did your math teacher what did your math teacher say to you like if you don't get a good score in math. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. My grade eight math teacher would always say, oh, Mike's over here. Sorry. My grade eight math teacher would always say, if you don't study, you're going to end up on, on the end of that poop hose, firing poop into a uh, field. Right. <laughs> so, so that was like a bad Farmer thing. was like a bad connotation. Right. Like that's what I grew up with. And then like my parents were very much like city people and, you know, food comes from Costco. It like, <laughs> you know, right. Um, not from the ground and the earth. And um, yeah. Anyways, I never pictured myself being a farmer until I started tasting this amazing produce and getting out there and doing it myself. So yeah. And you do definitely get like a different connection. Yes. With the food after being with it from seed till harvest, you it's very rewarding. Yeah, it is it's a lot different. Like you do feel a lot more connected. Like you're like thankful for the plants in a way and like you understand yeah. what's going on. We have we have a crop failure every single year. Yeah. So this year we had no carrots. We planted carrots, we had no carrots. Last year last we, year no squash. Last year no squash. Yeah. So, uh, in the year before that, we had no tomatoes basically. So we, because we don't use chemicals and, uh, we're, we actually don't have irrigation even. So it's basically only rainfall. So there's, there's no watering. Um, if we do have to water, we have in the past, we, we actually went out like and hand watered every single plant. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. So, by the way, <laughs> yeah. but yes, with yeah. a can, with a bucket yeah. and a can on a stick. So yeah so we're very 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 low impact and we kind of are following this regenerative idea of not depleting the soil but actually adding to the soil every year mm -hmm. and um this amazing thing happened my mom uh, let it slip because everyone when this is happening everyone's like this is crazy like your first yields are not necessarily the best right like it's it's not a it's not like chemical fertilizers which i have used in, in, in dire circumstances 
probably would like if it was starve or use this I would right Mm -hmm. but when you apply a chemical fertilizer it's instant basically like the next day you come you come by it's the leaves are greener and and all, all that so to regenerate the soil takes a long time and uh this year it was all worth it because uh my mom let it slip that we grew better tomatoes than grandpa. <laughs> oh, that's big. Yeah, that's big. That is big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds too like you are giving over control in a way, like you're working with the land and working with the plants and co-creating. Is that how it feels? Oh, for sure. Yes. That's a really, yeah, that's more of an elegant way of saying that whole novel we just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, part of it, part of the way we farm is you just have to accept that there's going to be some crop failure like that that's the way that the world works you don't Mm. you're not going to get everything right um and you shouldn't right because you know if you're if you're forcing uh the plant or the your harvest uh to be as bountiful as possible via um, chemicals that actually deplete the soil and take life away. And when you try and kind of control it that way, um, I don't know, it comes back to bite you in other ways. And it's not, I mean, it's not sustainable. It's not, um, it's not good for you in the long run. It's just, it's a, it's a very, I don't know. I don't have the words for it. But. Yeah. How about an example? Like for an example, people at market will always ask us like, oh, what do you do about bunnies? We don't really have bunnies in the field so much. And not. We have mice though. We have a lot of mice, field mice. So it's like, what do you do about bunnies or squirrels or mice or raccoons or whatever? And our, our answer is like, well, nothing. And they're like, well, don't they eat a lot of your tomatoes? And the answer is like, yeah, about yes. 25% of the tomatoes go to other life out there. Deer will walk through, coyotes walk through. But what you realize is that like without those animals and without that diverse ecosystem, you are bound to hit some kind of wall, whether it's like the soil is completely depleted or there's no natural balance. And so if one thing's slightly off, you will lose all your crops. This is like the Dust Bowl idea that happened in the United States or, um, you know, uh, if you have like a locust swarm or whatever it is, like nature will will we'll find a yeah, way it, like, do, it will it will um you can't outsmart it yeah you can't no, no. yeah it's best to to cooperate like you said that's <laughs> yeah. the best word co-create yeah co-create. I like yeah awesome I, I like those examples and it to me i think of like the bunnies and the deer when you're describing them i'm like oh they're getting their share yeah yeah exactly well it is their land too right like right yes yeah, I, mean, I feel like we tend to forget obvious. that as humans. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Especially yeah. if you're like really obsessed with, um, like, like, t- like I would use the word obsessed with profit too, because twenty five that could have been twenty five percent more money on tomatoes, which you know could mean that you could expand twenty five percent bigger with your tomato crop next year, et cetera, et cetera. We can buy more more pesticides, right? Yeah, but like we don't. So, right. I mean, yeah, we don't use kinda... any. Pe- that's the other thing. The amount of money that we actually save in the long run. I, I, I think people have done the calculation, although I'm not. I'm not. I can't. I couldn't like parrot the, the stats now. But I, I think in the long run, 
you will save a ton of money and and the efficiency is there i mean you don't have to mine phosphorus in another part of the country and ship it here by train and then spread it on the ground and then have that leach into the water system and cause like algal blooms in lake ontario now you can't swim in lake ontario because of you know fertilizer runoff and all these crazy things that that are happening and that take a crazy amount of energy and money and like and add greenhouse gases to our earth that you know is already a problem like yeah you got to be careful with your carbon footprint for sure yeah yeah so to me that also what you're doing it supports this local idea because you don't have to go anywhere you're getting rainwater Mm-hmm. from exactly. the sky and you've got like you have the land and you have the plants that how do you choose what to pick like to grow do you um do the same things every year do you rotate the crops yeah the so i basically choose which plants i like to eat <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah it's a good starting place <laughs> um and then we do move the crops around yeah we, we don't have multiple, we have multiple fields, but some are actually still being used um, by that conventional soy corn um, rotation. So I, it's funny because we get a firsthand look at exactly what, what conven- air quotes conventional farming is now. Um, and again, like, I think it's important to balance the idea that certain things are, are allowing people to, to live like, that without certain farming methods, people would starve and die. So you do have to, like, you can't be like, um, I mean, you can be, but I think it's, you're doing a disservice if you're kind of uh, too, like, not open to that idea and not understanding of, like, how you can steer the ship slowly away from it. So have smaller fields, have more manpower, have crop rotations and crop diversity and biodiversity. But the truth is that if the world did that, we would lose a significant portion of our population. So you do have to steer it slowly and be careful. You can't be as reckless as perhaps they were, you know, doing the monocropping. So we do, we do, we do rotate the crops on the the plot of land that we use, but there, we, we let a lot of weeds grow. So all the weeding's mm-hmm. done manually. And by the end of the year, it's pretty much like a, a field of weeds. And then we plant a cover crop. Uh, this year it's annual it's almost always annual rye and uh, that keeps a lot of life in the soil Uh, for example when I was digging up potatoes this year there must have been I don't know five to ten worms per cubic foot of soil which is a really good sign and then if you were to put a fork into the the soy field which is you know uh, what 200 meters away maybe a little more than that but yeah Yeah. it's pretty close yeah close it's on the same property yeah there would be you know not very much life in the soil and so that's yeah as long as you keep the life in the soil i think that's the most important thing like diversity of life too that's a want to highlight that (laughs) so have you seen how long have you been doing this for now um well jordy i mean all pretty much all his life um for me this this was what our fifth year at the market yeah this is our fourth. fifth market year i think okay yeah fourth fifth. fourth or fifth uh, anyways about four or five years okay so and in that time have you seen this change in the soil oh yes oh, yeah 
yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, we don't have um, animals on our farm. Um, so we actually bring in like waste manure from horses and cows throughout the community. And we, we, we spread that on, uh, on top of the soil. Um, we still do till the soil, which I know that's a very controversial um, uh, process as well. I know a lot of people are doing no-till and maybe we can work towards that. But again, it's about making progress and not necessarily trying to be absolutely perfect right away. So um, yeah, like it would be nice to have the complete, the complete cycle, the complete system, but you know, it's better to start moving in that direction and start making changes instead of not doing anything because you can't be perfect right away. Yeah, I think that's a good message in general for life. <laughs> I, I also like yeah. what you said about, just to go back a little bit, so you're making these changes in this plot of land and it's not about going out and like just completely taking out all the monocrops or other ways of farming because it, it will cause an imbalance in how we live right now. And mm -hmm. you're starting to plant mm -hmm. this seed of a different kind of balance that maybe we can work towards. Right. And right. It, made, it made me think too of like, um, uh, like medicine. Yes. Right. And so yeah. there are lots of different ways of healing and some of them can be more organic or plant-based or energetic or in your body or you're in your own control. And some of them are not. Sometimes you need a surgery. Sometimes you have to go to the hospital. Absolutely. Yeah. And that these things are working in tandem, not either right. or, but like an and, and. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That's a really, actually, that's a super good comparison for sure. Because if you can heal yourself via Reiki or a different diet or um, certain herbal teas or whatever, and, and that works, then that's the best way for sure. It's super non-invasive, right? But if you need to get, you know, if your appendix is about to burst and you need to get it removed, you're going to want that surgeon, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and you're probably, and I mean, you probably shouldn't get, you know, antibiotics for a cut on your hand right but right. if you've got i don't know some crazy infection or sepsis then yeah you're probably gonna want antibiotics because it's gonna save your life you know if it's life and death then you go to the, the extreme and we mm -hmm. we are yeah, at that's this, a good comparison actually yeah i i like it too because it's like we're at this point in time where we have so many options and now it is about choice in a lot of ways so it's like you're choosing to spend your time and energy developing this organic farm in this way and I just wonder what what benefits what sacrifices what what has it brought you well we I, I don't think I've bought groceries from Superstore since maybe April or May. So that's a huge benefit. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it really is actually. Um, sacrifices. The manual labor. There's a ton of time involved. A ton. Yeah, there's a ton of time, but it's it can be quality time. Like some of it, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you don't feel like going out there. Like, let's be honest. Sometimes you just want to go home and relax. Yeah. But when you are out there, there's this, it's, it's quite peaceful. You yeah. know, it's like the hardest part is getting out the door. 
And then once you're there, you're, I, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm wasting time when I'm at the farm. Beautiful. Yeah, I hear you. Definitely. Yeah. Um, for example, this, uh, we work with a hot sauce company, so we grow a lot of hot peppers. And apparently, we're one of the larger farms for hot peppers in Ontario, which I didn't even know until this, this YouTuber came by and did an interview. So that, that's from him. You know, I haven't done research myself. But we, we grow, I think we grew like 1600, yeah, 1600, 1600 hot like pepper plants. Yeah. So we, when we were harvesting them this year, we did it in 11 degrees and it was pouring rain. So it was uncomfortable. Like it wasn't the best. That was one of those days you would have rather right. be inside. Absolutely. Yeah. That being said, we get messages from people all the time that say things like, these are the best tomatoes or mm. this is the best squash or I can't believe I wasn't drinking this tea before. And you, you know, you showed me this and it's making a, a positive impact on my life. So my kids are eating vegetables. Yeah, my kids That's are eating right? Yeah. So my kids hate beans, but they love your beans. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even one of those messages makes a day like that worthwhile, right? Yeah. If I think a lot of people are like that. When you get that genuine um when you feel like you've actually yeah. like improved someone's life in like a small way, you know, the small way that we can. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes a difference. I love it. I love it. Um, and I wonder, I mean, you go to this market and you take your uh, produce there and it sounds like you get to be a part of a community that maybe you weren't a part of before doing this, or maybe it's changed or evolved over these five years. Definitely. It's definitely evolved. Um, the, the actually our market, like the other vendors at the market, we get along really well. Like it's one big happy family and it's just, it's really nice to be there. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a barter economy. That's actually, yeah. if you, okay, the barter economy is amazing or the gift economy or however you want to, the trade economy um, is really good idea. But when you, when you have an environment where you can actually participate in that, for example, we will give excess vegetables that we have and trade it for excess things that other people have. So a common trade we make is for coffee. Um, we've traded for candles, homemade candles. Yeah. We've traded for uh, asparagus tortilla chips. Like yeah, we, yeah. Do, we do all these trades. And then even at the end of the day, some people will be like, hey, I have extra, take this. And then we, every, you balance out your excesses with other people's excesses. And then all of a sudden, everyone's doing a lot better. Mm -hmm. and it, it takes a special environment. So market is like that between the vendors. And it really could work. It really does work, I should say, there. So we're very we're very supportive of each other yeah. like Thesons will send people our way for tomatoes yeah. we send people his way for his herbs we send people emily's way for her garlic and you know everyone's very it's very um symbiotic which yeah. is which is the best the yeah. best it can be yeah and so. even now cat sits on the board oh yeah <laughs> cool. market committee <laughs> so you get to oversee things yeah, well, I get to I get to talk about it with a group of people, so that's nice. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And did so this excess um, and the success that you had this year? Success meaning that you were plentiful in mm -hmm. everything that was growing. Uh, you started this other venture, this pop up stand. 
and how did that unfold? At first it was, it was just an idea. Like it was kind of a spur of the moment idea where I was like, well, we have a lot of leftover from market this week. Um, what are we going to do about it? It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon and, you know, we were at the farm with a truck full of food that we didn't know what to do with. So I was like, why don't we throw up the tent, put a table up, make a sign on this piece of cardboard and, uh, and see what happens. Right. So it took about 15 minutes to set up. And then we left and we went to our favorite cafe and like for a walk. So we had a beautiful Sunday, came back and our coffee and our lunch was paid for. <laughs> that sounds like a great exchange. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it was, it's for the amount of effort and time that it took, it was very much worth it. And, um, you know, some people are very generous. Um, we showed up right at the end. Uh, to tear down and one lady was like in a rush and she she drove up and was like oh no like are you closing down can I grab some things and she took like maybe like five tomatoes and a zucchini and handed us a $20 bill and was like yeah just keep it keep it right so some people were very very generous um and then we had we saw one customer pull up and take a bunch of stuff and then we went and obviously checked when she left in the box and it was like like a couple of coins which is fine though like it's it is what it is and we weren't we went into it really uh without too many expectations and mm -hmm. yeah it's on the honor system did we mention that yeah right. oh yeah it was honor system so there's no there's so no pay what there. pay what you choose yeah. unattended exactly. stand side yeah. of the road mm -hmm. exactly yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we actually got a very nice note from a lady. Remember that note she left? Yeah. She came down with her daughter. Oh, my goodness. I had it. I have it. Yeah, so we, well, we can probably paraphrase it. You're going to pull it up? You're going to pull the actual note up? <laughs> I remember so seeing we, the note posted on uh, Instagram. And I, yeah. Oh, there, I loved the note. Different one. Was it a different, different note? One, yeah. Um, she brought her daughter, like she taught her daughter a life lesson. Um, so she's like, today, my daughter and I drove out to your little stand. What a beautiful drive. I picked up a little bit and sent a knee transfer. It was neat to show my daughter as she's 13 and ask, how do you pay or how do you know if people pay? So I explained to her about trusting, faith and honesty. She thinks it's a wonderful thing what you do. Thanks for doing what you do what a so, message yeah it's yeah. really nice right so when we got that we're like oh like don't cry don't cry don't cry yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it was very special yeah it was really nice yeah and because we we weren't thinking anything like of that of that right it was just like uh like in my we're head just like let's see what happens right in my head i'm like whatever like that was how i yeah. thought about the whole thing i'm like fine i'll spend the 50 minutes set it up I'm like you know yeah. not against it not for it whatever let's see what happens and then you get that and you're like oh my gosh like you know this this meant something that like some people got so much out of it and you're I wasn't necessarily dismissive of it but like I was almost dismissive of it right like, I was very neutral to you're it. like eh, is it gonna be worth it a little right? resistant yeah. perhaps yeah. yeah 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 just like uh like I was just like uh you know like yeah. you know <laughs> was, yeah so it was really interesting because it was not a it wasn't huge in my head and then now all of a sudden I was like yeah okay we have to set this up <laughs> more and more so yeah 
Yeah, it's interesting when you what people the reaction that people have. Probably an introvert's dream. Yeah, that's true too. Show up. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to talk to anyone. (laughs) Yeah, show up with a bag or a box. Oh no, not even. We had bags there. Yeah, just show up, take what you want, and leave. So easy. Yeah. And you're putting, for me, it was all about putting out the energy you're talking about, like putting out this energy of trust and openness and share. And it's, it feels to me tied to the land in some way and the project that you're doing is it, it's similar energy in a way. It's not about money. It's about so many other intangible things. At least that's what I see. Yes. could be projecting but that's what i see no no that's <laughs> you're, a, you're yeah yeah that's a really good point it's for us it's about like i would say probably like flavor and nutrition and like for me for me i shouldn't say for us but for me it's like flavor and nutrition and making sure that people can live like almost forever like it needs to be that we need to have that sustainability um the pop-up stand was very much cats like you push for that, I would say. So yeah, like I, I didn't necessarily have that energy, like you said, uh, going into it, but it was, it is definitely thematic of the whole, our whole, our whole um, operation. So yeah, that's kind of what you just said, kind of opened my eyes maybe a little bit because I, I wasn't resistant to it, but I just w- was like, whatever. We watched a little video of people doing it in Georgia. I think they're in Georgia. A farm did it. Remember, I was like, I'm going to look this up. Like, what is this that you're talking about? Right. Right. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, oh, yeah, right. Okay, cool. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking, definitely wasn't thinking profit. I was thinking like, ah, oh, Sunday, do we want to go set this up? <laughs> <laughs> that's where I had was at. And then it was definitely worth it. Right. I mean, the note, even if we made no money, that note alone would have made it worth it for sure. So. Yeah, that's and it, you know what? It was really nice that like our friends would go. Like you went out a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. I was so like, excited. Went, and then you'd like you'd show us what you made with it, like your beet juice that you made. I was like, oh, Heather went out to the stand. Like it was really nice to just like see that people went out and like got something from it. And then you know they'd send us pictures and be like, look at the tomato sauce I made from your stand. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. And then uh, another lady left a note. She said I got couple of tomatoes from your stand ha- went home had them with my lunch and then went back and got more I was like, nice yeah well and that feels like community on yeah. a whole other level yeah. yeah it does yeah you were um yeah you're right <laughs> uh, yeah. I have one question um that just came to mind Jordan you talked about your grandfather and his father and I wonder in this, you might or might not feel this, but it feels like it could be ancestral in some way. Um, have you felt connection like through your ancestral line in doing this work? I mean, I don't know if I've like contemplated it from that angle so much, but I, I would say like it's, it must be, that must be true. Like, of course, kind of, right? This is, this is kind of like the idea of like a green thumb too, you know? So I mean, what's interesting is that my mom, even today, my mom went out to this, to the farm to actually do some of the work because, uh, I, I also do 40 hours at, uh, like a quote, normal job, but, um, yeah, she will go out there and work the land still. And she did when she was younger. So there is kind of a, a direct, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Cause I, I, I haven't thought of it too much from your angle. Like I don't, I don't have the vocabulary necessarily for it or the, the 
well thought out conceptions of exactly what you mean, but I would say that, yeah, it's definitely passed. It must be passed down. Like how else do you really explain it? It sounds you like know? it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't have an, ex- like, oh yeah, I did it. I did a lot. <laughs> when I was right. younger. No, no. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't have that same framework. So maybe if you could kind of, kind of uh, elaborate. I guess I wonder, and uh, if it's, if you get any like feeling of like generations before you or working through you or anything like that, you might not. I'm just curious. And this, <laughs> like, if you feel like connected to your. Yeah, no, 100% for sure. You're like, ancestry yeah i would say yeah actually it's that's a that's a good point too because we we really want to like save this particular piece of land too you know it's been in your family for some time no only since 1961 okay this particular spot my grandfather's farms were actually like where subway stations are now in toronto so he Mm -hmm. farmed there and then as farmers do they tend to get pushed out by the city Mm -hmm. Um, which is also interesting because I'm very defensive of this land and not being swallowed by the suburbs in a way. So yeah. Yeah. There's like, we not in where we grow crops at all, but close wake, like a kilometer away from where we grow crops, but next to the house is where all my, you know, my pets that have passed away are buried. Like there's a lot there, like in that Mm -hmm. ancestral mind mindset, there is a lot. And to Kat's point, I do feel like, like it is work and stuff, but I'm never like, uh, like once you're out there, you're not like, oh, I just need to get home. I just need to get home. No, it's usually you're very like, welcome. oh, it's so nice. It's yeah. so peaceful. And yeah. It yeah. It's a really beautiful spot. I wish kinda I could. hidden. Yeah, it is kind of hidden. Yeah. We should take you out to the actual field. Yeah. One day. I can't believe you haven't been out actually. Yeah. Well, especially when there's all of these amazing herbs growing there. Yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would have. Yeah, you'd have a great time. There's a lot of wildflowers there too and stuff. I know that you love wildflowers. I do. And wildlife, like we've seen praying mantis, lots of toads and stuff. So dandelion, there's yeah. a ton of dandelion. Ton of dandelion. That can be another crop for you. Yeah, it can be actually. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Goldenrod. We wanted to hunt it. Yeah, I know. I saw yeah. your goldenrod stuff. So we have we have all those native. I really like native plants, like native to our area. I think it's super important if we're going to do the farming thing that we find food crops that are native to the area instead of trying to force crops that aren't. Um, but yeah, I, I wish I could kind of get deeper with the the idea of like an ancestral lineage. Like I do feel that. Um, I just don't know. Like I don't have the frame. I don't have a, a good framework to kind of converse about it, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like, I understand. And it like, might come like this could be the first time you've started to consciously think about it. So yeah. it could more could come to you in time. Yeah. What do you think, Kat? You have any comments on that? Well, knowing you, you're you are very much a you're very much a home a homebody. Like you love well, first of all, you, you grew up in Georgetown. You grew up on that farm, on that land. Yeah. You're very like you are very like rooted. Like you're a very rooted person. <laughs> like no pun intended, but (laughs) like you really are. Um, And I think a lot of that does come from your family. Yeah, we have actually, we have like these, uh, I guess, like symbols or or items or like, I guess in Harry Potter, they're called Horcrux. (laughs) But like object, (laughs) like we have like these objects that we keep around though. Like my grandfather's father has Mm -hmm. a plow 
that's like an old hand plow. So like you can see these things and like be transported in a certain way to the past. Like the farm has a bunch of old equipment on it. Yeah. And ju- just that as soon as it broke down, it was just left there and that's where it is forever now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it is weird. In There's all these a- little spots. <laughs> Horcrux's the wrong word, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like totems or I don't know what, that's what I mean. My framework is weak in this area, but but like yeah there's there's all these like symbols and items and objects and and uh yeah those kind of things there that anchor you to the past or or remind you of the past right as opposed to someone who doesn't have any of those things around you know like your life would be (laughs) more along those lines actually right absolutely yeah i've been all over the place and like i those things don't exist like I don't have old things from my family like I, yeah. it's just not how we so I I'm I was born in Ukraine and um my first apartment was with my mom and it, it was in a tiny spot and then our second apartment we lived in there was with my father and his his mom and sister and her kids and it was like like there just wasn't space for like, right. you know, you just had furniture, your clothes, your food. And then, you know, when you move, you don't bring right. monuments with you. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah, That's what they are. Monuments. <laughs> they kind of, they kind of are though. They do have a story. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. I yeah. Guess. That's interesting. I got to explore that more. You kind of opened my eyes, I guess that. Well, I look forward to hearing if you want to share later anything that comes up. <laughs> but I'm now I'm picturing this field with these monuments to, <laughs> yeah, to um, ancestors, and I love it. To me, it feels like that means they're there and their presence is there in some way, helping on the land. Yeah, yeah. It actually, Kat talks about this all the time. That like the field is magical. The field is magical. It is though. I believe you. Heather, there's still beans growing out there and we've had two frosts and the plants are still producing beans. Can you I, explain this to me? <laughs> like, yeah. I believe you. And this to me? yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the ancestral monuments. Seriously. <laughs> no, well, it does and, have, sorry. And the magic, the magic and the energy of the co-creation that yeah. you're bringing to the land. Cause I think it, feel free to jump in. But it feels to me like you are becoming so attuned or already are attuned to that place. And mm-hmm. so the more that energetic exchange happens, at least in my experience, the stronger the vibration of the plants, and then they're going to grow even more vibrantly. Yeah, hmm. I, w- I would agree with that. That's, a, that's definitely a parallel of what I'm saying when I'm like, if we want to farm, I can't just like, show up somewhere and do it like it takes years to know right like it the weirdest thing my grandfather would be like you better get those tomatoes in and i'll be like oh yeah and he'll say like it's the second moon and <laughs> there was a thunderstorm in may or whatever like i the leaves the, like, are turning yeah silver. oh yeah these leaves are flipping inside out and i'm like yeah whatever and then if you don't but he's follow, always right yeah if you don't follow that advice it's catastrophe if you do follow that de- advice it's like bountiful like you've never seen the one time we planted radishes when he told us not like, to, we all got them. eaten yeah. by 
what right? were they grubs or something no nah, they're like yeah like some kind of leaf hopping insect and he's like yeah the leaf hoppers got him i'm like i guess and he's like yeah you should have waited an extra week i was like oh like yeah are you starting to create your own personal almanac based on his wisdom uh unfortunately i don't think it's possible to do like it's just too dynamic or something like it's just too much of a feel you know um we had a we had a part in the season where it was getting really dry like crops were starting to to like uh like weep like not not bleed but like the um the leaves were were drooping and i was like oh grandpa man like i don't know should i maybe i should try and get a water truck or something like i don't know we could we could lose everything here and he's like yeah nah rain's coming tomorrow i'm like how do you know that the weather says like 20 percent chance like nah see those leaves over there they're inside out and it's like oh okay and then sure enough it was enough to save the plants it wasn't a lot but it was enough to save them and then he's like since you got that it'll be fine and then we're gonna get more and then it was and it just worked out and then i think like wow if you've been doing that for like he's 96 so let's say you've been doing that for 70 80 years i guess you kind of you kind of get it you get <laughs> a feel a for it yeah i would imagine so so you yeah. are at the beginning of that trajectory right exactly Exactly. But to your point of ancestry, it's like you get all this pre, you get like the, you get the starter package put into you from your grand, like from my grandfather in this case to begin with. Right. So I don't have to like go out into nature and be like, can I eat this? And what is this seed? Like I have the starter pack, if you will. And then from him, I think I've, I kind of got a little more in tune with like, where is like, stop being, stop trying to force what you want on it like is this the right time to do it mm -hmm. so it might be a week early it might be two weeks late but like you gotta you gotta be like is this the right time and it is kind of a feel thing and then when you when you're like yeah this is the right time it works out if you're like no like the radish thing was like we want more crops for the beginning of the year so i look up online what are fast growing crops radish. radishes radishes grow fast they grow okay Joke's in the cold us. right they grow okay in the cold so i'm like mm -hmm. grandpa i'm putting them in early it's like yeah okay but they're gonna get eaten by insects and i'm like no 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 we're gonna put them in it's gonna be fine like there's no insects out there the field is bare and he's like okay and then you know he was right so that was me trying to force what i wanted instead yeah. of like working with what instead of like looking at it and being like this is what's right now yeah it sounds like a lot of listening yeah oh yeah a lot of listening to grandpa a lot of listening to my mom a lot of listening to nature hmm. You know? getting better at it yeah, yeah it is sometimes and it whispers it's a process yeah and yeah. and nature whispers it doesn't yell mm. right i mean when it does yell you know but for the mm. most part it whispers so sometimes you have to like really be attentive really attentive really attentive <laughs> <laughs> i hear you <laughs> um so you really, <laughs> as part of these uh, podcasts, I've been offering a plant spirit reading. Okay. And it's interesting because you're working so much with the plants mm. that I've, I've thinking about this sort of consciously the last little bit. I was like, I wonder what plant is going to come up. And I first I'm going to ask you if you've noticed any like guiding plant energy. And you might have, you might not have. I'm, I'm just curious. I'll start. You want me to start? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So overall, a big theme in my life is this idea of the squash plant. That is a big, 
that's a big plant for me overall. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, like overall, yeah. long, long, like long trajectory kind of thinking, you know, big, big picture. Um, if we're talking about like recently this year or like there's a couple of ways when you said that there's a couple of things I thought of. One of the ideas that came to my head was we brought Tulsi to a lot of the people in Georgetown and it has been like in simple terms, a, a made a big hit. People love it. It's a and big hit. I, and I was really, really hoping for that because I love it so much and yeah, yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice to just like give someone that sample and be like, come back next week and tell me how it was. Yeah. It's always amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of been the short term one. Mm -hmm. And then I think like, what is guiding me out in the field? Like, what am I looking at while I'm out there? Um, a big plant that we kind of are like nemesis is with, but like not in a bad way. Like we're not like in a, in a war or anything, but like thistle is oh. kind of like a guy I would say it's a it's a guiding plant but in a different way <laughs> yeah like don't step over there <laughs> and it's just like so it's so hardy like it's so persistent it's so strong it's yeah. so capable it's so it's so fast that's another mm -hmm. plant that I often think about is uh, like I guess we would call it Ontario thistle or Canada thistle. We should probably find a good recipe for it. I've been looking. I've been looking. You have to despine them. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else? Like, I know we have a little bit of connection with beets sometimes too. Um, mint, right? The chocolate mint. Oh, yeah. The chocolate mint gets plowed every year and comes back. Yeah, it's like a signal. Like, it's always there. It's always there. Actually... We uh, figured out something very interesting, and it's that the thistle doesn't grow where the mint grows. That is interesting. So perhaps. So perhaps we need more <laughs> mint in the field. <laughs> what? So what? Oh. What? Um. Like, in what way do do you find plants guide you? Because I I want to know more about how. Yeah. So maybe I'll that. try with an example that did come for a plant that came forward for working with you in this land. Um, for me, I work with plants in lots of different ways, but a lot of it is spiritual and energetic mm -hmm. and working with the energy of the plant and what they want, similar to what you're saying, listening <laughs> to what they want me to do. Mm -hmm. And whether that is writing these little books on their behalf, or if it's doing something tangible, like go over there and clean up the trash around this tree. So things like that that happen. Um, and then also the energetics that they kind of bring forward into this world from there. So I work with this concept that the plant world, human world, and animal world are not separate. And we tend to separate them a lot of the time. And so it's this like, oh, this invisible energy that maybe we can't see, but maybe we know is there and can feel. How do we access it and listen to it? Mm -hmm. uh, and so for you, it's interesting because Tulsi did come up. <laughs> and I, I took a moment to be like, did that come up just because I know that they've been working with her and growing her um, or why? And so... Tulsi, at least as far as I know, um, such a strong ally for balance. 
and she's an adaptogen. Mm -hmm. So, mm. right, she can take your energy if it's feeling one way, like if you're feeling super low, she'll help you balance back to center. If you're feeling super energetic, maybe a bit too much energy or that like manic energy or anxiety, she'll help bring it back into balance. So it can work with whatever's presenting itself to find that balance. And so the more I feel into what you're saying and the land, she feels to me like a guiding, helpful ally to do all of the work you're talking about. Does that resonate or make sense? Yeah, yeah big it time. does. And actually, our, our, um, our big Tulsi that we had was kind of wasn't looking great and so I brought it back to life and I made some clones and I've been giving away those clones off of that one plant and then uh, actually that we ended up selling that plant um, but it was to this lady who had been asking for it she's another vendor and she had been asking for it for a couple of weeks and like we were a little bit hesitant to give it away because it was it's like the mama plant. It was the mama plant, exactly. But um, we we were one day. I was just like, we we should just we should just bring it over there, and and uh, so Jordy brought it over, and um, it was in a moment where she was really really upset about something, and she and she was like, like this just made my day. Like thank you so much for bringing this over, and like yeah, it, actually, it ended up yeah. being like a positive in her day yeah it was like a, it was one of those things where we were like you said we were we were sentimentally attached to the plant mm -hmm. um and then she had been asking for it for a long time and, and we were just like when i brought it over she was like actually crying like she was really upset and then to your point of being an adaptogen or balancer it it balanced her out she actually talks about it when she sees us sometimes she does. Still, so yeah which is interesting that you that you say that but yeah i found that Tulsi or, or holy basil some people that's what some people call it mm -hmm. we drink it we drink tea almost every night I drink Tulsi every day and it's for those exact reasons that you're saying that like I don't know it just makes my whole body feel like feel good it makes my mouth like makes my mouth feel clean <laughs> it's so weird like it just it just feel, like it just it's just the perfect way to end the day and the flavor is un unbelievable I've heard I've heard uh Tulsi be called like queen of the herbs before and I I kind of like, I kind of agree with that because to me, it's very commanding, but not overbearing, like nurturing and commanding, which is kind of a weird, uh, it almost seems like um, uh, binary to each other, but it, but it really, once you, once you experience it, like you, like you said, once you kind of become more intimate, it makes perfect sense. So that's interesting that you got Tulsi from, from your I'm plant glad reading. It fits. I'm glad it connects. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. Um, yeah. And in that in that story, and from what you've shared too, another theme that's just coming to mind, it feels like a lot of letting go. Oh, yeah, you have to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess like you have two options, right? You can struggle <laughs> or not. <laughs> it it feels like it does really. And that's actually kind of interesting that you say that too, letting go. That's kind of like listening to nature in a way because, mm. because it, again, the radish story as just one of the examples since we've already talked about it is really struggling to try and to, to force something. And then had you just listened or let go that's very similar in that way, it would have been, it would have been 
better for sure. Like we got nowhere with the radishes. <laughs> I, I do like that example though. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you both so much for spending this time together. I really appreciate it. And I love hearing more of your story and more of what you're doing. Uh, how can people find you? Um, well, we have our, uh, the humble gar at the humble garden, uh, on Instagram is probably our most, um, active platform. We also have at the humble garden on Facebook. If you don't have Instagram and, uh, our website is www.thehumble.garden. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to put those in the show notes as well so that people can find you easily. Thank you so much, Heather. Yeah, thank, thank you, Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. A huge thank you to Ekaterina and Jordan of The Humble Garden. I had a lot of fun speaking with you both, and the work you're doing is just so inspiring. I hope that it will also inspire others who listen today to explore the relationship with the land that they have around them, the community that they are a part of, what kind of balance they would like to see in themselves and in the energy around them, and to see what kind of trust they might be able to put into the world. If you'd like to learn more about plant and tree spirits and how you can build your own relationship with a plant or tree, Check out my collection of short reads available on Amazon. If you feel called to offer an exchange in support of this podcast, you can do so at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening. Until next time, with love and magic. <laughs>